to the Good Rookie Show. My name is Fahim. And my name is Nellie J, y'all. And we are Good Rookie. That's right. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Happy Good Tuesday. Happy Holidays. And guess what? It's the Good Rookie Show. Yep, yep. Yep, 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 yep. So, deck the halls with footballs basketballs and some of y'all call it soccer Fahim, nelly j coming out of toronto canada as y'all know it's our last recording in no it's our last episode that we published in the year of 2022 Fahim. Mm. yeah the last one and at the end of 2022 um <laughs> yo it's crazy this year has gone by Fahim. i don't know about you but i feel like i'm like what like so much has happened, so much has changed in both our lives. Like, can't think about, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but um, you know, I will say God is good. We're here, and All I'm excited time. to kind of talk about this episode next week. Episode, guys, we're gonna do a little recap type thing, little a little different. So look out for mm -hmm. that. But Fahim, um, you know this this year a big big tournament happened. I think it had an average 4 billion views a game, which is crazy. Wow. The World Cup. Mm -hmm. FIFA World Cup. And my goodness, what a stage. Mbappe, Messi, Eminem going head-to-head. -head. I feel like those... I, 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 listen, man. Mbappe's going to be a future GOAT. I see it already. He's 23. And Messi, what is he? 30? Mid-30s? Mm -hmm. Um... I mean, I thought it was the last World Cup, but he wants to keep going. Um, but yeah, like historic, he he never had a championship FIFA World Cup yet. He had everything else but that. Uh, mm -hmm. So him winning, you know, I'm a big Messi fan, you know this. But mm -hmm. Mbappe, man, listen, when Messi retires, I'm on that Mbappe train. Ooh, ooh, I'm on that train. Um, he's just so good. Um, but yes, one of the best games I think we've seen in World Cup with our eyes. Um, the back and forth, Argentina had it up early. It was, it was funny at the halftime. I said, Mbappe's gonna score two. Like, I just knew it. I because for him, if you watch this kid, like, he's so competitive and like he, he just finds a way, he finds a way. So I said, Watch, he's gonna score two goals just now, easily. Like, and when it happened, I was like, I'm surprised. But then mm -hmm. when Messi scored in extra time. And Mbappe, like the penalty, listen, man, the penalty kick. And then now it was tied 3 3 after extra time. And it was penalty kicks for both teams. Mm -hmm. Now, I was told that the Argentinian um, goaltender, a goalkeeper, sorry, was, a tra was trash talking. Them, I heard that too. Them, right. Them young players. And that's what it is, right? Your goalkeeper, pretty much your. It's a guess. You can you, you jump based on your instinct. There's not really a science science to this, mm -hmm. um, but he's he's long, he's tall, and yeah, like he he got into their head and boom. So I bet you. And, and what I don't like was that apparently some fans in France, the racist ones, of course, always come out right. when he loses. They were being racist. Well, they're racist, so the racists show their racist selves. Um, but yeah, like end of the day, it's a young squad, man. France is good. They. France, you're good, man. You you have a, a young team that's going to be on that stage for a very long time, at least the next ten mm -hmm. years. So 
what two and a half three year old cups you guys are gonna be straight so mm-hmm. relax you want you want the last one man messi needed this one fahim what was your thoughts on that match what was your thoughts and mbappe messi people call him the goat i know you think otherwise what's your thoughts on entire world cup finals yeah so the final it lived up like obviously classic i was a little different though you said at halftime where you were you you felt there's goals coming Yes. From what I saw from the first forty-five or forty-eight minutes, I I, I, re- I did recognize it's the tale of two halves, and I remember actually um, I was calling Kevin Diversified. Actually, we were on the phone, and um, I just remember. Oh, sorry, we weren't on the phone. We were texting on the phone, and I was telling him, "This is one-way traffic." And then this was at, at the seventieth something minute. Mm-hmm. I'm like, "This game's over." I told him like this game's over. Like there's no way, no way. <laughs> and when Mbappe he came with the first one, I was like, oh, we have a game. And the second one, I'm I was I was shocked. And uh, when he got to the penalty kicks, that's when I got a quick story with the penalty kicks. So I was watching it on television, and let's just say my television froze. And when it froze, guess when it froze? When Messi and so Mbappe took the first one, scored. Messi was lining up for the second one, and it froze. Right when he's lining up to kick it, so I had no idea. Mm. So I had to reboot, and by the time it came back up, <laughs> uh, the game was done. Wow. I missed the entire penalty kicks. Oh, so I went to the line and find out who won, and then after later try and find uh you know some uh the recap which showed yeah. the penalty kick so actually while that's one thing i'll say about this world cup i didn't see any of the penalty kick session at all because i was just <laughs> scrambling to get a reception of course um outside of that though i mean it, it's a classic it's great great for for soccer um football football right they'll come for us listen these these football yeah, fans around the world very, man, yeah. they go, they'll come for us don't call us yeah. soccer we're calling <laughs> football today you know what i'm saying right <laughs> um in regards to the trash talk i heard about it later like i said i didn't see it but i heard about it um i think that's something trash talking is not something that you really think happens in in the sport so it's cool that it did and i just want to quickly shout out argentina i did see do you see the celebration I thought oh, well, that the Raptors winning the championship, which had say one and a half million people downtown, was a sight. They had an estimated four million people in downtown Buenos Aires. What's and- crazy? So when I went there with my homegirls, we went. Mm-hmm. So when I saw the, the 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 like the site, I was like, "Yep, I I was there." Like oh, I, she, she yeah. went. No, I'm saying I was like, so I visited Argentina. Oh, back. you went. Okay, right. Yeah, right, so right. I visited there. So I knew, I know exactly where they were. Like oh, the, you're, the, okay. the bridge you're and in all that. that. Because gotcha. we were doing tours around Argentina. So I remember all those places. I was like, I remember that place. I remember that building. I remember that statue. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. So Argentina, listen, y'all, like when I was there, like, you know, I didn't think that many people were in that one area, but they all probably just like drove in. Um, Argentina is a very like like big land. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of everyone's kind of spread out. There are some po- pockets that are a lot of people live there, but oh my goodness, it's like a city type area, Buenos Aires, right where the parade was. Um, but yeah, them fans, oh my goodness, they they were loving it. So yeah, big up to them. Um, but you know, Argentina, 
I heard something about how they don't allow uh, people of color or colored players on their team. I'm sure not. I hope not. Because if no, it is not. true, that's kind of like the, the mm. entire Argentina, like, like FIFA has to control that. Like, if they're doing that, FIFA needs mm. to step in and be like, you shouldn't be picking players based off of like, well, you know what I mean? Especially if they're talented, why aren't they making a team? I mean, mm. I'm not sure how much control FIFA has. I'm just mm. saying, I hope that that rumor is not yeah. true. Well, the country itself, that's kind of seems to be systemic within the yeah, country. They've had systemic issues, racism for a while. When yeah. I was there, I, I I know how bad it was until I got there and I saw it for myself. I'm like, wow, this mm -hmm. lots is quite. There are listen. Some people there are really nice, great people, like in every country. Mm -hmm. But some you can tell are very racist. So when you're black, mm -hmm. you see those things. Okay, <laughs> trust me. I can tell a racist person when I look at them. Like, yep, you're racist. Okay, later, deuces. But that's an <laughs> listen. <laughs> folks that are racist are everywhere. They're in Canada. They're in America. They're all over the place, right? Even the Caribbean people are racist there too. But Argentina, whoa, I felt that racism. I'm like, yo. Some folks mm. out here don't like us. So, but when I was there, everyone thought everyone thought I was Brazilian. I'm like, no, Canada. Mm. Like, oh, you're, are you from Brazil? Nope. Uh. Nope. We're visiting from Canada. Everyone thought we were from Brazil, which is kind of interesting. I'm not sure mm. why, but anyway. Um, so it's funny that you just mentioned. It's funny that you just mentioned Brazil because, uh, in regards to the goat conversation, um, mm. when you go on Twitter and everything, you know, it's just pure goat, 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 bah, everything. Um, I've more, I was, I was kind of confused by that because, um, Pele, uh, I think he, He's your coach. he has, yeah, he has three titles, uh, three world cup titles to Messi's one. I realized trophies, et cetera, but I don't know. Uh, I'm but going I mean, with Pele's the that's kind of unfair. This is why I don't really count the world titles, especially mm. FIFA, because it's based on our country's talent. Right. Mm. So, um, what what I can compare is maybe how much goals scored. You know what I'm saying? Like there's different, mm -hmm. different metrics I'll look at instead of just like winning a title. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Because I feel like in soccer oh. it really is a team sport. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, like, for sure. like you have to have good players in on all levels of the field mm -hmm. to win. So mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like, but I do think Pele was was revolutionary at his time. He's he was the best player in his yeah. era. But I, honestly, like. I don't know, Messi, let me see, but when Pelle was playing, I was probably a kid. Because yeah, I'm yeah. looking now, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't really see Pelle playing with my own eyes. Mm -hmm. So that's why I can't, you know, like, I can't say, oh, he's the GOAT for me. Well, mm -hmm. Messi, I saw Messi playing all my, you know, like most of his life. Like, when he was started playing, I, I was watching fo soccer, football. Mm -hmm. So... That's why I was saying, like, I can I can say he's the GOAT for me, but mm -hmm. if you say Pele, I can't argue with you because I, I didn't really watch him like that. But I did see mm -hmm. highlights. I've seen the stuff he's done. I just didn't watch it live, you know? Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, so, I, but I mean, like, I, you're 100 I, years old, so you probably watched it live. Possible. Pele won in the 60s, bro. How do you know? Like, like, like yeah. so was based off of, like, what your dad told you? Like, how do you, you know what I'm saying? No, well, so keep in mind, when... One of my first, uh, so I'm early 70s. Yeah. So that would have been my introduction to soccer, football, would have mm -hmm. been Pele at the time, right? Um, but, his, he would, but he won, he, he, the World Cups that he won were 62, 66, mm -hmm. and 1970, mm -hmm. right? And, and then, yeah. and then in, in, this, in the 70s, yes, he played, mm -hmm. he, like he played for the New York Cosmos. 
right? And he right. was old. He was older, and then he played. Mm-hmm. He stopped with the Santos in '74. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess you probably will see him in his latter year, but you didn't really see the, you know, like. No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't see him yeah, live. Yeah. But being a young child, you know, when you think of football, it was it was Pele. Even the keep ups, we used to call him Pele. You know, what I'm saying he was a no, no, for sure. To... Like Pele was always like like I knew of him. My dad loved him. Like I knew all that stuff. Just that I never, you know, I, I just didn't see him live. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But I yeah, remember yeah, him yeah. always giving speeches. Like people always would want to meet him. And right. I think every president, every like country's leader was a fan of Pele. You know what I'm saying? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they grew up in that time. So I understand them. I'm questioning you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing with you, bro. I'm messing with you, bro. You know uh, me. I'm so, a, yeah, I got, I got the answer. So uh, Messi has 13 World Cup goals in 26 games. Mm-hmm. Um, Pele has 12. Uh, but in i'm just trying to get the games here so regardless it's very close regardless very yeah they're close i'm saying like like again mm-hmm. as i'm saying like i can't argue like when it mm-hmm. comes to goal to soccer like mm-hmm. every goal people pick it's really like yeah they're a goal too you know what i'm saying okay so i i got it so uh, Le- uh Lionel messi 26 uh world cup matches 13 goals mm-hmm. pele 12 goals uh in world cup but 14 World Cup matches. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's like, amazing. half. So, so, he averaged, he averaged, like, what? 12, goal, he averaged, almost, like, almost point nine, point yeah. eight per, per game yeah. match? That's good. Yeah, yeah. So Well, we all know Messi has had some blunder World Cup uh, yeah. stuff, too. Yeah. This, you know yeah, this, this kind of validates him, I feel, def- most definitely. And it's yeah, good. But I mean, this is going to, yeah, like, he's won so much awards. Like, him and Ronaldo are both, like, you know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. it's crazy. That's why I say in soccer, there's more than one GOAT. And I feel like soccer fans don't have this, like, toxic argument. Where like I, basketball. Basketball. Basketball right. is so That's toxic. Fair. Oh, my. You bring up LeBron and Jordan and Kobe. Oh, my gosh. It's like a <laughs> war. For like a three-hour argument, you know, I'm so sick right. of the basketball goat talks. But in soccer, it's like, yeah, like Pele was lit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I watched. I remember watching his tapes and stuff like that. Like, yeah, like he was yeah. so talented, and I like that he was a dark-skinned brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like doing his thing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Honestly, yeah. sorry, so, this is such a random thought. I just really hope all the black and brown players that play for European teams. I hope they all lead those teams and play for African nations. And then we'll see how those racist fans feel. Okay? Let's see. Anyways, just random thought. Random thought. Random thought. But I'll say um, this. The French Federation did speak out against the, those fans and, you know, defended their players. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing more and more of these teams are are standing up, are standing beside their players and defending them. And even people within our country also are, like, you know, telling the other fans to shut up, whatever, whatever. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a start. Back in the day, it would just be silent and no one would care. But at least now... You know, mm-hmm. is what it is. Duh. But World Cup used to be. No, listen, World Cup is such a crazy. Like some fans are insane. I heard, what was it? I forgot which Brazilian player, but some Brazilian player, by mistake, I think he hit, he hit a goal in someone else's net, like in, um, goal in their own net. Um, oh, that I think it's Colombia. Was that Colombia? Was it a Col- Colombian goalie of like many, many? Are you talking many, many years ago? Many, many years. Was it yeah, Colombian? I, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. But I think I'm pretty sure it was Colombia. World Cup goal by own player, by own player. 
Yo, I forgot how. Um, Colombia own goal. Let me see, because I'm pretty. Yes, and he was actually he was he was actually unfortunately killed by that. Uh, yes, I yo some 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 nations don't play with this World Cup stuff. Yes, I, so I remember that story, but my dad told me that story, but I forgot. I I, I know the country in southern southern um South America. South America, yeah, yeah, yeah. South America, so, but I didn't know. Yeah, 1994. Yep, I was a right. kid when this happened. Andres Escobar. Yo, yeah. that yeah, Andres Escobar, right? Mm. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate. listen, man. And that's what I'm saying. Like that is, but is it because? Uh, uh, listen, that's what I'm saying. Like this is the the player who was killed for an own goal. Own goal. Yep. I don't know why it just came to my head, guys. Such a random, mm. random guy. Sorry. Well, you know what? Let's uh, let's hope that uh, Pele he he pulls through. He's actually yes. Uh, right now, currently, right now, he has cancer, and apparently it's worsened. Um, it's affected his kidney mm. and his heart also. So, um, keep him your thoughts and prayers, uh, Pele. Yeah, moment. like definitely prayers to him and all his loved mm -hmm. ones, mm -hmm. um, you know, and all the fans. Because that's, you know, I mean, cancer is just so mm -hmm. painful. Um, but, you know, all we can do is pray that he gets through it and his family gets through it. But... Mm -hmm. All right. So, Nelly J, you know what? Let's go to Woo! For the Culture. For the Culture. We like to highlight individuals for the culture. And today, we like to highlight a Sudanese nba star fahim that is correct this uh gentleman who's now retired uh, he played in the nba from 04 to 2019 okay was on the bulls the Cavs, the heat the lakers timberwolves a two-time nba all-star an all defensive second team an all rookie first team okay sportsmanship award winner in 2007 Alrighty, he even played in the 2012 Olympics for Britain. All right, but now he's for the culture who is Luol Deng, because he's actually about to take his his own team, a team that's dear to his heart, the Sudanese basketball team. Fahim, they're one game away of qualifying for the World Cup for basketball for FIBA, and potentially going to the Olympics, which will be the first time ever. For Sudan. Remarkable. Um, not only that, uh, he also has a foundation and an academy. Uh, so his foundation um, actually, um, so, so the foundation, what it does, it actually helps with, of course, the, the team itself. But on top of that, he also has an academy. And essentially what he was saying is that he, he was raising money in the States uh, to help, um, you know, bring wheelchairs to his villages bring doctors within his borders, perform surgeries in different villages, and tackle things like mental health issues, which is really big in the South Sudanese community as well. So not only Fahim, is, is he not only helping his own countrymen, right, um, have a stamp in basketball, but he's also giving back to the community. So that is why Luol Deng is for the culture. Okay, <laughs> um, and his charitable foundation has programs that aid youth in education and sport, people with disabilities, people with mental health problems, um, poor people and men and women basketball programs in South Sudan. Fahim, so he's just doing it all. So I'm just so happy we get to highlight him today for the culture. Fahim, what's your thoughts after hearing what this NBA star, this African NBA star, has been doing? 
only at the young age of 37 too like he is but imagine if south sudan makes it to, 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 to the to, to the fiba world cup in 2023 so luel dang um uh, he was manupo was somebody who had uh, influenced him into playing basketball. Mm. And it's funny how here we are now, um, Manupo's son, Bobo's in the, in the league also. Yeah. Um, we also we also usually think of uh, Masai and what uh, Masai Ujiri's, his hand in, in African um, basketball. Um, it's really nice to see that it's not just uh, Masai, but... Um, Luol Deng has carved his his niche for specifically for his country and given them an opportunity uh, to be in those conversations to, uh, like you say, the Olympics. That's amazing. So um, Luol Deng, he's well, especially, um, you know, being, so normally he's from an era, I'd probably say, where he was like six, seven when he played. He was a small forward. Um, that was kind of rare for African players. I'd have to say he was very much a trailblazer because usually when African players came in the league, they were big men, you know, yep. like I mentioned, Minupo, Dikembe Mutombo, the list goes on and on. Everyone you list is going to be a front court player. The fact that Luel Dang um, was a small forward um, who was a wing player, very rare for an African player at the time. So, I mean, he's kind of trailblazed with that. The fact that he can now give back, it's, yeah. Shout out to Luel Dang. That's all I got to say. Oh, I agree. And I, don't, I also want to shout out, um, so the Brooklyn Nets assistant coach, uh, Royal Ivy, mm -hmm. he's also been coaching alongside of Luel Dang for the South Sudan men's basketball team as well. So big up to Royal Ivy. I'm not sure if he has any Sudanese descent, but, you mm -hmm. know, we, heard, we saw Mike Brown coaching, you know, Nigeria's team. So... I'm just loving the fact that a lot of these coaches in America that are, that, that are African descent are also contributing back to, you know, um, those countries, right? Helping mm -hmm. them, coaching, helping them. So Masai not only is a trailblazer, but there's now more influence from other people of color or, or an African descent um, in America now going to back to Africa to help coach those countries. I think that's amazing, right? We see it mm happen -hmm. all the time. We see like, you know, our team Canada soccer coach isn't really Canadian, right? <laughs> but I think it's really great that, you know, these these men um, are doing that. It gives them great coaching coaching opportunity, helps them to not only mentor these kids in those countries, but help build those programs. Because the basketball has been a great tool for Black men and Black women to, uh, you know, get notoriety, right? Have influence. And we know influence is so priceless. So yeah, so big up to um, New York's own Royal Ivy um, and the fact that he's also helping coaching this team. Mm -hmm. um, his Dual Dang, his foundation, they have uh, more than a thousand kids that have learned basketball and almost 2,000 kids are actually on a scholarship. So they put over 300 of those kids on. So they have 2,000 kids and about 300 of them are on scholarships in the United okay. States. And which is great because he could be the bridge to um, making it easier for African players to have an opportunity 
um, in the United States, um, using his name, obviously. And also he knows the infrastructure of how to get things over um, from Africa to here in regards to players and stuff. So shout out to Lou Aldang once again. Uh, these, yeah. two, these kids are having an opportunity um, from a very legitimate basketball player, regardless of where he's from. And like, I want to also shine some color on why he said there's a big issue of mental health in South Sudan, right? So for those who don't know, they had South, South Sudan had their second uh, civil war. It was called mm -hmm. the Second Su Sudanese Civil War, which lasted from 1983 to 2005, Fahim. Like that was just, just now. 83 to 2005? Yeah. And that was between the central Sudanese government and the Sudan People's Liberation Army. Um, wow. And it pretty much continued. It, it was kind of like a continuation from the first um, civil war that they had. And that was from 1955 to 72. So they've had so much. Imagine being in war or in conflict for like four or five decades. You know wow. what I'm saying? So those kids mm -hmm. are coming from war. Parents lost. We, don't, we all know war is ugly, right? Lots of death, senseless things. You know, so that's why this is so important. And that's why I think what he's come from, you know, his, his father fled, um, you know, during, during the second civil war. Um, and, and of course we have a lot of Sudanese, um, migrants who came to Canada. They're also in the States. We see them in other countries in Europe who are full fled during that time. But imagine 83, like, that's like literally like, that's like almost like what, you know what I'm saying? That's a whole, that's a whole lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is why mm -hmm. it's so important for him. And I think important for the, that, the, the people there um, that he's involved, that he's gone back and said, yes, I play for Britain. But he's like, imagine I could play for my own country. And I think I would love to see more and more athletes. Of course, you can get paid more if you coach for a European team, of course. Right. But sometimes, you know, sometimes it's about giving back and helping where you come from. And I think him going back there, I'm hoping more. And I know for a fact, because I see a lot of the NBA players like Serge Ibaka did it. A lot of these guys go back home where, where they're from that has conflict and give back to their villages, right? And the community. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and, and I think Masai realized like, listen, this can be a great liberation tool for these young kids. The average, yeah. I think the average black, uh, the average African, I think is like 30 something. It's they're young, right? Mm -hmm. So no, love it, love it, love it. And you know, I, I'm listen, man. One day, what I'm telling you, Fahim, we said before, one day, Giannis, these guys are all gonna play for their home country. When that happens, my gosh, right? Yeah. And I, I, I truly think it's gonna happen. I think in soccer too, it's gonna happen, right? We see, we saw some, we saw some um, guys from the Morocco team. Those Morocco players, some of them were play in Europe. They they were born in Europe. But they want to play back home, right? So I think you might mm -hmm. see a trend, Fahim. I'm telling you, one day. I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping you're right. The foundation, it's called Wheels of Hope. And that is along with uh, Dang. He And they provide a thousand wheelchairs, walkers, and canes, and crutches. Uh, no, my apologies. It's not a thousand. It's to a thousand people. To a thousand people. They, yeah, there we go. And mm -hmm. they give wheelchairs, walkers, canes, and crutches. So, I mean, talk about humanitarian, like the efforts are there. Um, it's great to see. And especially like you're mentioning about um, just the growth of ba uh, basketball period. The only thing I think is really holding um, 
was holding African players back was um, opportunity, you know? And Exposure, it's just, too. I think the internet helps as well. For Exposure, sure. Exposure, like, mm -hmm. like, like being informed, right? Right. <laughs> Information right. is so key. Um, mm -hmm. Did you mention that um, Manute Bowles' brother is who taught uh, Dang as well? His brother taught oh, him. No, I did not really know that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So, first of all, big up to uh, Mark. I got to big up to Mark J. Spears for breaking his story. Um, so he, this is his work. So thank you for, for Ants from Anscape. He mm -hmm. broke the story and he spoke about Manute Bowl's um, brother. Um, even though Manute Bowl was his influence, his brother helped him play basketball. So this is again like giving back, giving back, giving back. But wow, love it. Sorry, go ahead, mm -hmm. Mahim. I want to add no. that. That's it. I was going to land there because the BAL, shout out, actually, a quick shout out to the Basketball, Basketball Africa League, the BAL, helping to grow the game. In Africa, also. Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's true. So, so what's what's uh, interesting? Um, Dang was saying that uh, a lot of basketball fans in, in South Sudan how they're really fond of Bobol, right? So, I mean, and we were of saying course. how Bobol is like so talented, and, and people are now realizing how skilled he is this season. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I really hope he has a long career in the mm -hmm. nba because he's really mm -hmm. the stuff he does man i'm like what the mm -hmm. yeah Ow. and the the ironic thing is uh bull bull he's what uh seven seven um but he could put the ball on the floor um luel dang like i was saying being a pioneer of being somebody who could put on the floor but doing it at like six seven so it's like it's like a passing of the torch you know what i'm saying Agreed. of of sub of, of uh you know being a big man but being versatile What's crazy about Bobo when he dribbles, his one dribble is higher than me. That's crazy. Yeah. Like when he bounces the ball, <laughs> it's like he bounces. Like just a dribble for him is like my height. That's mm -hmm. wild. Mm -hmm. And I'm short. Anyways, um, <laughs> but big up to Lil Dang. Uh, good luck to the South. I think the tournament uh, resumes in February. So mm -hmm. good luck to them. And I, I really hope I'll be, I really hope that they uh, do make it to uh, FIBA cup 2023 and canada is also fighting for that as well so um you know we're gonna see team canada there we're gonna see i think five african nations get to go to fiba in 2023 so i think for some reason i feel like this fiba world cup might be a bit more bigger than normal you know what i'm saying i don't know why mm -hmm. i think there's more countries that are talented and getting up there with america you know so mm -hmm. let's see because mm -hmm. if america don't have their superstars they don't win <laughs> Oh, yeah, for sure. So, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Luel Dang. Shout out. Shout out. Big up. Big and up, and big I want to throw this out also. I've also had a lot of respect for him just for how he handled uh, the Danny Ferry situation. For anyone who's not aware, mm -hmm. um, Danny Ferry was the GM in Atlanta. Um, he had, he's a white um, general manager. He made a comment um, to uh, others that had racially charged I guess there's also a letter or something, some kind of documentation. They looked into it. They found out Danny Ferry was fired uh, because of that. Um, Lou Aldang, when asked about the situation, he took the high road. Um, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, throw any shots at Danny Ferry. He didn't, he acknowledged it. And um, he, he handled a class, the whole situation. So that's one thing, even after that situation, I was like, wow, um, you know, you're playing for a team you're being disrespected and he handled it like a professional. So it's not a surprise that he's going back to his country and doing this. So shout out to Luol Deng. 
This Woo! one's the other way out. And 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 does Danny Ferry have a job in the NBA still? So apparently he did. He did have. He did after that get hired again intern as an intern but as of the present moment i don't think he is now but he did get rehired as an intern um <gasps> post that situation which is a topic for <laughs> wow maybe another time that that was that's kind of that's kind of crazy yeah mm -hmm. you know <laughs> what i'm saying so you can be racist and still get an interim job but you talk about you know a certain community and you're you know what i mean like anyways uh, <laughs> we, won't, we won't go there today. We won't go there today. But yeah, yeah. racist should stay out of those types of. If you're racist, why why do you want to coach black people? <laughs> I don't understand. Mm. If you don't like us, why would you want to coach us? Why would you want to play with us? Why would you want to be the stuff, be involved in what we're doing? If you're racist, I don't I don't understand that thing. Anyway, mm. get it together, racist people. Get it together. <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out, man. God, you know what I'm saying? Figure it out. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So Nelly J. Uh, you ready to close us out with that's absurd. That's absurd, Fahim, bro. What was absurd this week? What was absurd? The big three. Black owned, black owned. <laughs> Ice Cube, the rapper. He's revealed that the NBA has been telling sponsors not to work with the big three basketball league. Absurd absurd first of all nba you're you're why are you even involved and mm -hmm. like what why first of all why do you care if he gets sponsors or not like mm -hmm. they're big they're the big three on three you're the nba that is some hateration for him that's some hateration. Now, it's the nba we don't know who in the nba is hating so we're not gonna obviously put throw the entire nba uh, you know, uh, employee staff on the bus, but whoever that is on that, whoever the NBA is hating on Ice Cube, get a life, get a life. Like, honestly, like the big three is, first of all, when they have their league, it's not the same time as the NBA. They're not competing for your site. So what, what's the problem for him? What's the problem? And honestly, I think th there's so many people that live in America. There's enough room for multiple basketball leagues, but the NBA has monopolized basketball to a point where it's hard to create a league and make it profitable. But who knows? Maybe that's why it hasn't happened because they're freaking telling sponsors sponsor to not work with other leagues. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Like, is this what they've been doing for him to keep the marketplace to themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? Ice Cube had mentioned that he sat down with Adam Silver um, and he had actually wanted the NBA to be involved with it. And the NBA apparently had said, no, they didn't want to. So what, that's what actually makes this super absurd. The fact that there was an opportunity for you to be involved. But you but if you, So then if you don't want to be involved, why would you want to block them from doing what they're doing? Yeah, man. Absurd. Listen, it's absurd. NBA, whoever that person is in the NBA, get a life. The big three can't even compete with y'all. Like, two no. different hemispheres right. y'all let mm -hmm. our black own and this is listen man but and i'm happy he said that because expose the foolishness right mm -hmm. it exposes it so so the sponsors who told him no are going to be like wow why did i say no but anyway mm -hmm. i do think there's a monopoly in basketball the nba has has definitely taken over the marketplace and i really hope 
Kyrie or somebody, hint, hint, um, <laughs> starts their own league and finds a way to help pay and and great, create revenue within our community with ownership as well. Mm-hmm. Only having one black owner in the NBA is that enough for me. No. Right. No. We can land there. We can land there. <laughs> All right, Nelly J. Let's put this episode in the books. Y'all, that was the good rookies show. Happy holidays edition. Uh, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like this shout out, I'm going to keep it really sentimental. You know what I'm saying? My shout out is going to be to the audience, to the family. Um, everyone on Clubhouse, Raptors Live TV, for those who come to our post-game show, all our fellow podcasters, all of them. You know what I'm saying? The big O, um, politics as usual. Um, we got 94 Feet, All Takes Matter, uh, The Run Sports. Um, my goodness. Like, just everyone who's circling back on this, like, Everyone who's been really integral in just us, helping us, supporting us. You know, if you come to our room, come to the space, even if you pop in, you're truly, truly appreciated. And yeah, all we try to do is build a community of folks like us to talk and, you know, laugh together, cry together. Raptor fans for life, you know what I'm saying? That kind of energy. (laughs) But no, and also to thank you to the Huddle Share Space. Um, for giving us their space to use for the holiday gift drive. That was epic. It helped the volunteers have a space to just work out of. Clean, guys. Great space. Check it out. Okay, check it out. Um, Great tenants that work there. If you want to ever book any meetings, spaces, a place to work, check out Huddle Share Space. Beautiful space. And, of course, all the volunteers, Vanessa, um, everyone that helped with the holiday gift drive. It was cold, y'all. It was cold. But we touched 296 people, Fahim, who are living in unfortunate times, men, women, and children. So thank you to everyone. If you gave even $2, you gave a dollar, you gave your time, doesn't matter. Thank you so much for supporting the drive. So that's my shout out, I guess. Fahim, I'm going to pass it to you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you took my shout out, actually. Oh, wow. I Sorry. Was going- my bad. My bad. <laughs> I was going to start with shouting you out oh. for the holiday <laughs> gift drive of 2022. Uh, you were going to be my shout out. I guess I'll just tack on everything that you said um, <laughs> in regards to the drive. But yeah, I just want to shout you out. This is uh, this is something that you've been curating for a few years now. And um, yeah, it, it's amazing. I do want to, I was going to ask though. So the situation since the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, people's situations are different so i was just going to ask did you notice since you're actually out there um in the battlefield actually dealing with people specifically and personally is there any difference or is it the same I'm just, it's, it's gotten worse uh pre-pandemic okay. there were probably less people in mm-hmm. these shelters or less people needing the shelters um but now we're seeing a lot more young mothers or mom with little babies um having to leave bad situations there's so much men in need and unfortunately these shelters um for men aren't the safest they're not the warmest you know the fact that that like the government doesn't give these guys like socks and gloves like they get jackets but not even gloves and hats like the things like or even like you know what i'm saying but they do get fed right they get food and all that stuff which is great but you know the fact that we can give all this money to ukraine 
and we can't give money. I'm again, I'm not saying you're crazy the money, but it's just like if we can give how much million dollars to Ukraine, why can't we give a million dollars to help build an infrastructure to help to give these guys a safe place to sleep and a warm place to sleep, right? A lot of people who live on the street, they live there because it's not safe for them in the shelters. Right? That's why. And and there's enough security to secure safety. So that's why some people live on the street because it's safer to live on the street than to live inside, but it's cold. It's really cold, right? So it's just an unfortunate situation. I know, again, I'm not coming after the city, but I'm just saying that, you know, um, I just wish that we would take care of our own. Like, if we can give all this money to to help us to, to like, support wars, that means we should be able to have money to, um, you know, help everyone have a warm place to sleep. There's even people, yo, the indigenous people in the community in Canada don't have clean water, but we can give money to Ukraine. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I'm going to stop venting, y'all. I could talk about this all day, but it's a passion of mine. You know, um, we just have to give back on what we can because, you know, every little thing matters, especially to kids who are living in a shelter, getting a gift from strangers. Trust me, that's going to go a long way. So all we can do is our best. And I think everyone contributed what they could afford. And that's why I think it was successful. It was all built off of love, right? So <laughs> love and compassion for others. That's what this drive is about. Well, Steph, uh, yeah, you you mentioned the money. So I just want to actually throw a number because I didn't know it was, it was uh, a lot. It looks like, now, am I off with this? It says here it was 100 and, no, sorry. So on January 22, Canada has committed $320 million. So $320 million is it's a pretty penny. Not saying it shouldn't go there, but you know, you're know you right. We're, we're just talking. So I there's mean, certain... The fact, they, they, but, but that money came from where, right? I mean, they have the money, but it just, mm, it's not... It's like we, right. we can... Again, even if like... Especially what happened with all the indigenous... You know, God, you know, God rest their soul. The 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 mass graves we found. Like, there's no way that these communities should have not have clean water, not have warm homes with heat in them. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're living. Some of these like communities are living in atrocious environments. But we can right. give 100 million, 300 million to another country. You know what I'm saying? Like, I must, mm -hmm. I must say not to support them. That's the government's choice. Yeah. But why can't we give that community 10 million? Yeah ensure that they're all living in secure housing like and that's why i'm saying like crime in canada is built off of not having the resources to help these individuals you know what i mean crime is built off of need right people are criminals not all of course some people are criminals because they they're, they're surviving they're trying to survive so let's help them survive and then help them give back so anyway i can vent about this all day i don't want to you know people are like yeah, yeah, we, yeah we don't want to yeah we don't want to go on that yes but uh <laughs> Um, yeah, just definitely shelter is, you know, that's basic need that everyone should have. So, I mean, unfortunately those aren't, but, uh, and actually, so let me just take us back to school. So as you're speaking, it made me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you remember that in school? Did they teach I remember that in school? That. Oh yeah. I remember that, Matt. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs, here we go, are psychological, so, sorry, my apologies, physiological, so food and clothing, safety, which is job security, love and belonging needs, 
which is friendship, mm -hmm. um, esteem, and lastly, self-actualization. I'll land on that. Mm -hmm. um, you, you're out here doing some good work, uh, Nelly J, and you know um, the work you're doing actually, you know, is helping check off on all these boxes here that I'm seeing for the people that you're actually providing these these services for to help out. So that's why I want to start with you as my uh, my shadow. Thank you, Fahim. I appreciate that, brother. Mm -hmm. On that note, that. on that note, let's go ahead and close out this episode. Y'all, that was the Good Rookie Show. If you've had a good time this year, if you're, you know, loving what you're hearing, all we ask is that you subscribe and tell a friend to tell a friend. Fahim. <laughs> We're on all platforms if you're looking for us. That's the Good Rookie Show. <laughs> we out. We out. Peace. Happy holidays. <laughs>